What's up, Georgia Bulldogs fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 234 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm joined today by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, and we met up at my house, sat outside, and talked very little Georgia football on this episode. Granted, the football players are back on campus, which is a great sign, and I'm sure by now you've read a few posts by the beat writers or seen Georgia football's short videos on Twitter or other social media. But the three of us, we spend the majority of this episode discussing the protests that have gone on in our country and the virus that has been going on in our country. And we relate it back to the world of sports a little bit, but there's no depth chart breakdown for Georgia in this episode. We do touch a little bit on the quarterback transfer, the surprise transfer of JT Daniels, and Major League Baseball's continual ineptness on getting its season started again. But really, we spend the most of this time simply sharing what's been on our minds lately. So let's just jump on into it. Here's Will to get things started. Right, should we start? I thought we had. Uh, okay, there we go. Uh, we Hello! We are uh, we're different. In a diff- we're still socially distanced, though we are in a different. Uh, we're on the front porch now because it might start raining. We're slightly less socially distanced. We're still within six feet, but it's a tighter six feet. Yeah, yeah, concentric circle. Yes. Is that a thing? Um, yeah, <laughs> circles are things. They're the round. The radius is at least three feet, but yeah. if you divide that by square and pi, it's six. Yes. And the virus is famously bad at math, so it yeah. should be fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, Plus, you just hurt Wayne's head. Yeah. So how's everybody doing? I feel like that's a question I need to generally check in during this uh, continuously tumultuous time. Uh, it has been an interesting week and a half, two it weeks. It has, well. it has to say the very least. Uh, I, I, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole on this, but I will say, uh, personally speaking, as tumultuous as a lot of this has been, I think it's disorienting. It, uh, uh, it reminds me uh, a little bit of... Uh, uh, I think there's kind of going to be a burning off process that we saw a little bit in the wake of the Me Too movement where uh, you're already seeing this in media where a bunch of editor-in-chiefs are, who have not been great to their minority staffs are being shoved out. I think you're going to see that around a lot. The, the way that you used to see after the Me Too movement, you saw uh, um, those, the, the, those problematic people uh, moving on. I think you're going to see that here as well. But I think more to the point... Uh, I actually feel kind of optimistic about everything that's happened. I don't remember the last time. Uh, there's a great interview with uh, Tom Nahisi Coates uh, by Ezra Klein, the guy that wrote... Uh, spectacular. Spectacular. Uh, uh, who wrote... Uh, Tom Nahisi Coates wrote uh, um, uh, Between the World and Me. Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Me. And, uh, and Eight Years in Power. We were Eight Years in Power. And uh, talking about how this he finds considerable optimism from this. The idea... Uh, the, the, the breadth of people that uh, the diverse group of people, the just the way that you've seen public opinion change in the span of a week uh, is pretty remarkable, and uh, and I think speaks uh, well to uh, the argument that this is uh, a pretty transcendent moment in American history, and we were already going through one of those. So yeah. uh, uh, it's certainly a, a wild experience across the board. Um, uh, the virus does not care uh, whether you are out um, uh, gathering at a pool in Arkansas or uh, or in that was Missouri. Uh, Missouri, sorry, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That's not where the Cardinals that's are. Still, that's still the SEC, right? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, they both are apparently. No, no, no uh, yes, in Missouri, uh, whether you're in a pool in Missouri or uh, or storming the state capitol in Michigan or protesting uh, in uh, in anywhere across the world, it does not care. So it will be interesting to see. I feel like we're going to be getting some interesting. Uh, um, 
case studies on how yeah. the virus is spread in outside outdoors. Yep. Right. And uh, I would note that one difference I think that you've seen between those uh, swimmers uh, in Missouri and the people storming the state capitol, uh, there's a lot more people wearing masks at the protests. Uh, I think they've seen a lot more people wearing masks at that. But uh, it's been a quite a, it's been a quite a thing uh, to say the very least. And uh, it is I find it uh, it's been hard and it's been disorienting. And I think everyone's a little um, you know still a little uneasy. But I do think my personal opinion I I believe it's one that's shared uh, by a, a few people. I think there is positivity to this, uh, and I think that there is a, a chance for. Uh, there's a lot of people that have gone through a lot of protests, and they're always like, yeah, 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 show me what you're going to do this time. Right. Uh, this one does, in that matter, actually feel a little bit different, and I think that's exciting and, uh, and a cool thing to, uh, to see. I was not out protesting because I think I, I am still uh, – uh, I still have older parents, and I kind of don't want to put them in that position. Um, but uh, I, I also understand for other people that did that uh, why they would. And, uh, I, and I certainly have no issue with it whatsoever. So uh, uh, quite a thing going on. Uh, Athens, the first night of the Athens protests went very well until late. Mm-hmm. And then it did not go as well. Saturdays went incredibly well. Uh, we do not have to get into the discussion of the Confederate mon- monuments if you do not want to, except that they should all be torn down. <laughs> but um, uh, but nevertheless, uh, I think I think it's a good thing. I think there's good things happening. I don't know what you guys feel about it. But uh, I uh, Monday night... Last Monday night, I was not feeling great about the universe. Right. Uh, I'm feeling better a week later, and I, uh, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the the thing about this moment is that um, it's ironic. I'm about to say what I'm saying, considering I'm a white person talking on a podcast. But why people shut the hell up, <laughs> right? That I think it's. Uh, they're listening. It's interesting that, we, that 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 people are listening as opposed to trying to decide what. I mean, it's the crux of the matter, right? Is that we have for a long time had a very paternalistic view of white relations versus black relations in the United States of America, and that is uh, putting extraordinarily mildly and charitably for a long part of the history of America. Um, and it is interesting to me for um, for a lot of what you hear on social media and other places about um, about police and about the relationships um, between police and community. I think the important part there are two important parts there. First off, um, I think having an overall look at policing generally is important in light of, of and has been important for a long time but it's important now um, because frankly um, policing is a product and extension of that in loco parentis mindset and has been for a long time um, because we and I say we mean white people have uh, wanted police to protect us from them them being black people and um, it has been I, I, I'm not I swear I'm not trying to make this about me or anything but it's been hard uh, kind of looking back over it's been a, a very important evaluative time um, because I have I've been I've been the white moderate that Martin Luther King talked about and I have I have you know, God knows I've done worse and um, that is um this is not the first time I've dealt with and reckoned with that, but that 
puts it again at the forefront and now having kids and having that conversation, um, we've had some really good, really hard conversations about um, how how we would we watched some of the other night and how we would have acted in 1965. And um, I am um, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. This is hard. I hate that so many people have had to die for us to get to this point. But I, like you, Will, am optimistic um, in a way that um, I'm so optimistic. And, and Santanese coach talk about optimism is it was both jarring and comforting. Yeah, because uh, one of the things that I've actually gotten frustrated with talking to someone that's read so much and read over the years, he seems like so deeply pessimistic. That's kind of his oh, signature thing. Yes. And uh, I remember uh, after the, uh, the shooting in Charleston, at the church shooting in Charleston, and he said he did not understand. To me, uh, as a white person, one of the most moving things about that was when the mothers forgave him. Yep. Uh, and it was a really amazing thing to see. And I, his response to that was that, like, I don't understand this. I don't understand why they would do that. Uh, that I feel like they're actually hurting them. Like, he's a pessimistic, deeply pessimistic guy about this stuff. And he's and opti- probably rightly so. Oh, no question. No question. And uh, so to see him optimistic about this was, it, 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 uh, uh, it was, it, to see, it feels like it made, made me feel like it was pointing in a, in a, in a better direction, which is good. So. Um, certainly, uh, I don't know if you want to, uh, if you have anything you want to say, Scott, or if you yeah. want to uh, uh, transition or what. No, you're... no, I think I, and, I mean, we're three three guys on a on a podcast, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think that it's there's it's... a fourth person, but they're locked in the trunk. <laughs> chat, chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's known if you've listened to this podcast for a while. I famously um, am that quiet, you know, moderate who doesn't want to say anything, you know, and will. Uh, you know, in years past, Will might say something or Tony, and I just kind of move it along. You know, it makes me uncomfortable to talk about politics. It always has. Um, you know, it, it kind of crept up as it was happening um, from Memorial Day to uh, that Friday when um, Mayor uh, Lance Bottoms had her speech and Killer Mike and T.I. spoke. And then you would hear daily updates from Governor Kemp and uh, the police chief and Mayor Bottoms, um, and I'm talking about just Atlanta because that's kind of what we were getting from our local news. I started paying more attention to uh, my friends on Twitter, both white and African American, uh, reading what they were saying, uh, listening because I don't have a problem with listening on social media because I'm usually posting photos of something I took a, a photo of or something. I'm not jumping into the fray. the The thing that was kind of the the moment for me was when The Athletic published a whole myriad of stories from black writers from The Athletic, and I retweeted it. And I was talking about how I've never been profiled when I've been pulled over uh, from the cops. And, um, you know, there's a litany of examples that really, you know, struck me. And it, 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 it kind of sent, uh, it was like a wake-up call uh, for me. To um, as I was reading that, it, it, it moved me. And um, do you have the author's name? Well, uh, well there, there was uh, uh, t- um, there were several people. Right? Yeah, there were t- a ton yeah, of them. Was one. Uh, t- uh, Thompson, uh, the guy that covers the Warriors, Marcus Thompson. Yeah. So they were all, and I would encourage you to read that. I'll put that in the show notes of this episode. Um, but you know, I think really what what that caused me to do, and seeing a lot of friends of mine uh, who are black on Twitter or Instagram posting things and really just heeding what they're saying and trying to put myself 
in their shoes. Um, even though I don't walk in their shoes, I can try to be as empathetic and sympathetic to what they're talking about. And so really the, the main part for me was um, last Friday night. I didn't plan to have a big talk with my kids and my wife, but I started it. I started asking them questions um, about what they thought, and we went into the whole, uh, or I started talking to them about the historical, you know, problems with, um, you know, police brutality, and then I started asking them, you know, how they imagined it, and, you know, had them talk to me about what they thought, and then I, I just, I, at the end of my conversation, we talked for about 30 minutes, my daughter who's nine, was hugging me. She was in tears. I was trying to hold back tears. My 14-year-old, was his eyes were welling up, and it was you could have heard a pin drop. And I wasn't sure if I was saying everything correctly, but I just had a, a calm come over me to know that, look, I didn't go to a protest. I'm not sure if that's my role or my lane right now, but what I can do is I have three young white children, 14, 12, and nine. And I can do everything in my power to help share with them why black lives matter and why it's important for them to help be the generation of change. Because my wife and my children also have cousins who are African-American. They have cousins who are Latino. And I think that that's where it also hits home because it's family. And so, um, you know, I think it's been a, been very educational. I've watched a, a lot of videos that I never thought I would have watched. I've read a lot of articles that I never thought I would have read, but I'm thankful that I've been able to read those. And I, I'm with Will. And I'm with Tony. I think that the, I am positive. I am encouraged uh, as much as you can be, you know, and I'm, I'm probably not saying it com- completely right, but it has, I think you're doing pretty good, it has been, <laughs> it has, it has shaken me to the core and it's just, you know, I think it's my mission with my children to make them even a better person than me. And so, um, so yeah, I think that, uh, that's pretty much where I stand and, that's um, great, man. you know, that that's awesome. kind of from, you know, from the heart and, um, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, this is a this is a podcast about Georgia football. That's what we started in 2015. But you know what? I, yeah, I'm glad you brought that yeah. up because I know there are going to be some people mm-hmm. will probably get feedback with the stick, stick to sport thing. And um, it's weird that I'm taking this man up considering who's sitting across from me. Um, it's also weird too that like there are no sports to stick to right now. Well, there <laughs> are no sports to stick to. But here's the thing: we it, by saying stick to sports, we are ignoring. Two-thirds or more of the University of Georgia football team. Mm -hmm. Um, 90% of the University of Georgia men's basketball team and women's basketball team. Um, Far too small a percentage of the students at the University of Georgia. Um, And also, let's not forget, uh, there have been, uh, we'll we'll talk about Jake Fromm, but there have been like racial incidents involving Georgia athletic teams. Right. Uh, In the very recent past. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not like something you can look back 20 years ago. This is something you look back a year ago. So, the idea that uh, uh, the idea that um, you stick to sports is, I mean, this is something, the whole point of this is this affects every aspect of American culture. Sports very much at the forefront. And, considering how much we've railed against um, 
tier one interactions with police in Athens with athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, scooters. Remember? Scooters all the way up to Mudcat Elmore's car. Um, <laughs> the whole... And by, I'm buttoning by no means and my casting aspersions on uh, the local police force. I'm just simply making a statement of fact that... Um, I, Scott, you hit on it. It's like... I, I My interactions with police have gone almost universally different than anybody I know that's African-American's interaction right. with police. And I don't think that's because anything other than I was born in Marietta, Georgia to, to white parents and they weren't. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have friends that said not uh, protest, but I have many friends that have been protesting really across the country. And I had friends in New York who were telling me about how they were uh, one of the things that, because New York protests are pretty organized and very, uh, and they have like a, Clear brunch and yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a clear system. Like they've done it. They know how it works, and they have ways to handle when situations escalate. And one of the things that they do when situations escalate that they because they have learned that it works <laughs> is they will bring a row of white people to stand in between the cops and the black people protesting, and it actually calms the cops down. Yep. And it's not performative. It's not. They're not doing it to prove a point. They are literally just trying to calm down the situation, and it works. And uh, that is not. And to be, I'm saying the same thing you are, Tony. Uh, I am not saying that all cops are bad. I am not saying defund the police. By the way, to be clear. Now, I think defund the pe- people. It's much like Medicare for all. It's become a thing that means different thing for for different people. Generally speaking, of the idea, if you are saying there are there should be no police force, that's not actually a serious conversation. That's not actually what people are saying. But anyway, we don't have to get down that go down that road. And if you are saying that, you and I are having the same conversation. Yeah, we're talking about different things, which, which again is not actually that different from Medicare for All. That was like four or five different things, but it doesn't matter. The point is, is uh, uh, that it's a real thing, and it's 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 not a, a theoretical thing. It's not something taught in a college classroom that we that doesn't exist in the real world. It is a real world thing, and I think that people are kind of understanding that. I think that this is also a confluence of a lot of things that are happening that go on beyond just uh, the protests and go beyond just the pandemic. Uh, I definitely noticed after Monday, after last Monday, and that little incident in Lafayette Square, mm-hmm. uh, there was a general, almost across the board, not everywhere, as we saw in Buffalo, but across the board, the temperature got turned down just a little. And I think, uh, and on, bo- on every side, I think everyone kind of looked at that and said, okay, we don't want that right. it didn't and for what's worth it did not slow down the protests there were a lot more people that came after that but generally speaking it felt like that's not entirely true there were there were incidents in New York we saw the issue in Buffalo we've seen we've seen incidents that I wouldn't even call them isolated however it does seem that like politically speaking and personally speaking after that Monday stunt uh, you've seen. Not only a general turning down of the temperature, but you have also seen, I mean, we've clearly seen a political shift in that time. I think we've clearly seen, uh, but I also think that that situation is something that was also contributing to the circumstances that led to uh, all this stuff bubbling up in the first place. 
Um, so we should probably talk about Georgia. And one thing I would like to talk about, I think is a good transition to this, is the way that this has been handled mm-hmm. uh, by the Georgia Athletic Department, specifically by Kirby Smart. Uh, as you guys know, I have had uh, uh, many thoughts about Kirby Smart uh, throughout the years. I would argue mostly positive. Mostly good. Mostly yeah, good. I would argue mostly positive. And frankly, most of the negative things I've had about him have been about public relations and mm-hmm. forward-facing things. That has always been a lot of the issue, not just the way he treats reporters, but remember last year with the idea of like c- calling out the fans yep. for booing from and not showing support to the team. And I, on one hand, yes, you're rallying the troops and you're doing that. On the, but the other thing, again, these people pay your frequent salary, the highest paid, paid uh, employee in the state. Uh, and that kind of us against you mentality, uh, the world mentality, is a button that you only get to push so many times. And uh, and I and you know we've talked a lot, and he I think he's talked a lot about um, as a coach. He's still early, he's still a head coach. He's made mistakes. I think you're seeing correcting them. To me, that's what you want. You don't want him doubling down. Remember our last show that we did at the pub on Main, where we're like, I don't know, is he going to be so stubborn and not make any changes? I <laughs> think we him. now know the answer to that yeah. question. Yeah. And so. Uh, but I will say, outside of football and outside of um, the uh, how a guy handles his program and how he puts a forward public face, from the beginning on this, in contrast to a lot of other college football coaches, particularly uh, those who might be uh, uh, co- coaching the Clemson Tigers, um, and not just him, uh, Mike Gundy was another person that was really bad about this, um, I think... If there's two people that I think have been on the forefront of major coaches, Lovey Smith's also been good about all this, but nobody cares about Lovey Smith. Right. Um, we do, but. yeah, but uh, but Kirby Smart and Lincoln Riley uh, of Oklahoma, each of them from the get go have talked about keeping people safe, not putting students in a situation where their safety is in any trouble at all, not rushing back not trying to push on this stuff and trying to make sure everyone is in the right place about all of this. I, uh, uh, I felt like Kirby Smart, uh, Lincoln Riley was, I think, the first on this. But, you know, you saw people turn in different directions on that. And I think the way that Kirby Smart has handled this has been, he's talked about it the way that I would want, never mind just a football coach, but like a professor, an executive, a leader to discuss this stuff. And I think that is the result, frankly, of a guy that is, uh, and this is that now I'm into hypothetical land, but uh, it seems to me that's the result of someone who has spent a uh, lot of time uh, in the kitchen of African American households, yep, and uh, and has spent a lot of time telling parents, not African American and all cultures, that I will keep your kids safe and they will be okay here, right. And now, do I think in roster construction, sometimes there are cold-blooded decisions that are made? Yes, this is a major college football program. I'm not saying that it's all bell, it's all uh, uh, farts and sunshine. But I'm saying that, like, that's not a phrase. I just made it up yeah, right now. Was, um, it, was, it, was, it was good. Uh, Copyright. I'll have you know, you talked about the serious conversation you have with your children. Uh, well, we had a conversation, too, but you know, we also had a very serious conversation of whether or not the coronavirus could be passed through farts. Oh. And uh, <laughs> we, we looked it up. Epidemiologists say they cannot be passed through farts. Right. So it's good to know. Uh, so therefore, our family may still have a chance. What does Dr. <laughs> Kelly Conway say? <laughs> yeah, doctor, yeah doctor, we'll see what, uh, uh, yes, we'll see what <laughs> Dr. Travis says about the situation. Um, but I would say that uh, uh, the way that they, he's handled it and the way he's handled just both the pandemic and this situation has been incredibly impressive. Uh, now, he's not one of the coaches that's gone out and protested. I've seen that's happened, including Lovey Smith, including Illinois basketball coach and his athletic director. You've seen a lot of that going around. You see, But 
I, you know, I don't necessarily, I, I was not protesting it either for my own private reasons. And I think everyone has the, has the right to be able to have those. But certainly, uh, I've been impressed as someone that has been critical of him and uh, the way he's handled some stuff publicly. Uh, there's not a lot of college football coaches, to be honest, who are, and, and commissioners and even university presidents and athletic directors who are covering themselves in glory right now. I have been impressed with how Kirby Smart's handled it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you can always nitpick statements, right? And, and of course, the statement was well parsed, and but it was also it was timely. <laughs> you know, didn't come out three days after everyone else's. It was on the nose, and it was it it hit. You hate to look in, in terms of these things, but it hit the right notes. And I think you're right, Will. It is easy to see. This is he is someone who is comfortable and can say with confidence that he is able to look all of his players in the face and all of his parents' player, play, players' parents in the face and say, your young man's going to play football for me and I'm going to take care of him. And, um, and it, don't leave out Dan Lanning's Do You Hear Me. Yeah, oh, that video the, was, the, the video was amazing. Yeah, yeah, Do You Hear Me video. Yeah, that, I, think yeah. It's, I think that's spectacular. Um, speaking of other football coaches, um it is I don't think you have to make a statement. You don't. I mean that is that is your choice. Um, and I think it's important that you don't make a statement if you can't do so with genuineness. And the other things that have come out about Devo Swinney indicates that maybe he can't. <laughs> now there are Debo Swinney has a ton of great things going for him, right? Um uh, how he was raised, what he came from, what he's become, what he's done with Clemson's football program um, are all marks in his favor. But having having your star quarterback uh, tote your water <laughs> and also um, on top of being silent in a time where you're choosing to be silent uh, and then also having to answer for, directly answer for, both your statements and statements of your assistant coaches, uh, it it puts you in a tough place. I, I, don't, I don't I don't laugh at I'm not laughing at that. I, I know what you're I, saying. It's it's I'm, I'm laughing. I'm chuckling at the um, honestly. What I was thinking about is God. It's gonna be hard for him to recruit for a while. Um, uh, you know, but but you know, there's there's a there's a level of forgiveness that I look. I'm not. I am not blameless in this regard by any stretch of the imagination, but also I'm not trying to convince young uh, players <laughs> to come play football for me. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, um, I can say I can say with utter confidence that um, I am I'm not and only will I not hide from that, um, I, I would hope that people look at me and see that I'm a totally different person than whatever that person was twenty five and thirty years ago. And and that again, that's fine. I'm, I'm not. It's not my place to judge Debo Swinney. I'm just making an, an observation about both his silence and the things he's had to answer for this week. And, and it's always it's been from a defensive posture, yeah. too, which I think yeah. is actually a key part of it. Like, there's never been a point. Like, you know what? I was young. The, these things were going on. We all have evolved in our lives. It's all been from a. It's not an, an offensive posture. Would actually probably be the better way to put it. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, because there. I mean, look, it, we, we talked about 
we talked about CrossFit earlier. Um, yes. Um, so, if, unless you have, a, if you haven't been paying attention, the CEO of CrossFit HQ uh, tweeted a, a shortly insensitive comment uh, in response to a statement about social injustice in um, and the pandemic and, kind and of it being it actually being a public health um, right. issue. And he he tweeted something that was was both. Looking at it most favorably, it was tone deaf. Looking at it least favorably, it was incredibly insensitive and not not good. Um, so what you but what you have is he has released an update statement saying, you know, that was horribly insensitive. And again, it's probably massaged through public relations firms, whatever. Devo hadn't even done that, mm. right? It's, yeah, I said it, and my, my assistant coach said it, but God, the guys get it almost. It, and that's not what he said, but it's felt that way. Yeah. Um, it, it has not come from a guy who preaches hum, being humble, yeah, and preaches being accountable. Accountable. He is. He, it does not seem to be. Yeah. Well, remember the Kelly Bryant stuff from last year. With oh, the of ring. course, of course, man. And so, listen, I, I am that my New York Magazine piece from a year ago is feeling. It's. I feel. I feel comfortable uh, with how that's holding up right now. I'll put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway. So yeah. So that brings us to something else we should probably talk about, yeah. which is, uh, hey, are they going to play football this year? Uh, and for all accounts, and and I think there, there, there's still several uh, rails. Uh, certainly, things seem to be veering in the right direction. Well, think about the last time we sat together about three weeks ago. It was much more dire. Well, I think it was. It was just more. We, we just didn't, didn't know, know as anything. much, yeah. right? Yeah. And like the idea, like what schools are going to play, what school there is, and again, we do not know what the next two months are going to bring. Right. However, it certainly seems not just in college football, but it certainly seems at this point, other than baseball, which mm-hmm. cannot get its bleep together, mm-hmm. uh, which we can get into. Um, uh, sports are on their way back. They are on their way back, and college football is among them. There are football and, players on campus. Yeah, there are football Sorry. players literally on campus. <laughs> Sorry, I've been the, waiting to say the, that. The, the, the official Twitter account is putting out pictures of them wearing masks. Uh, they're here. And, again, that doesn't mean that everything is back to normal and everything is fine. Uh, and, but certainly... I think signs are pointing more, uh, much more in the direction of having a season and potentially having a, I don't think anyone would say a normal season, but having a season where everyone participates, where game all, is, all 12 games are played. All 12 games are played. Um, all uh, uh, There are no conferences that don't have three or four teams playing. And again, that could change. Things are not good in Florida and Texas right now. And so now are they so not good that they would stop playing? I I don't think so. But uh, they're not going in the right direction. But I also think that, frankly, our uh, acceptance of what the right direction is and what is an acceptable level of risk has changed uh, in the the last three months. I mean, we're a good example of this, right? Uh, Two months ago... We did a Zoom podcast. Right. A month ago, we podcast on the back porch. And we were we were we about were, 20 feet yeah, apart. 20 feet apart. And here we have been making out this entire <laughs> well, podcast. Well, that's the next podcast. Yeah. We're going to make out the next podcast. <laughs> and for the record, we are still, like, we are outside. Yeah. We are, like, we are. We have a fan going yeah, to. Six feet of feet. The, the, yeah. the, the fan's actually not supposed to help that. But uh, regardless. Uh, my bad. <laughs> but, uh, but it's like, Jennifer, turn the fan on. <laughs> the website told me. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, uh, we are, I mean, I, we are, again, I think that we are, we are not doing this inside. 
Like I would still be a while away until I would feel comfortable doing the podcast inside. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, as much as I spit. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's, there's droplets everywhere. But I would say that clearly everyone is making adjustments, uh, and and the virus has itself not changed. But we have learned new things about the virus. We have seen as. I have talked about both on this podcast and on uh, social media how, you know, right now it does not look like Brian Kemp's decision to open that early led to a spike. Now, that doesn't mean that we uh, we may never know because of everything that's all gone on in the last couple of weeks. Right. But certainly the most dire predictions of what would happen – which is different than what that, uh, that Atlantic story said, because Atlantic story was about small business, which everyone forgets because they only read the headline. I just hated the headline. I know. I know you did. But more to the point, and, well, but though, th- to be fair, you could say the experiment was a success. Because, <laughs> because, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yes, I understand. Um, the, uh, uh, certainly the most dire fears, and frankly, my dire fears, do not appear to, so far, uh, have come to fruition. However, the virus is still still out, out there. there. Uh, we saw, uh, we have seen empathy. We talked about uh, this with the protests and the and COVID mix again. We have seen uh, Mariah Parker, who was the leader as the commissioner of Athens, one of the city commissioners of Athens, who was one of the leaders of the protests. I like her a lot, actually. Um, but she came down with COVID, and she was right in the middle of all of the protests. The mayor of Athens is currently in quarantine. Uh, specifically for that idea. That's why he was not at the protest on Saturday. Um, a shout-out to, uh, to the late Jerry Neesmith, by the way, who died uh, uh, suddenly on Monday, which is very sad. Uh, I'd never met him, but we had corresponded over Facebook. I had met him at a couple of chamber events. He was a very nice guy. Yeah, very nice man. And um, But uh, so clearly, you know, I think if you're wondering, hey, is that something that's happening somewhere else other than here? We all now clearly know the answer is no. Alabama and Auburn have both had football players test positive. I am frankly would not – we should be prepared for the very real possibility within two or three days of this podcast coming out of Georgia players testing positive. Yeah. And that is okay. And if you told us that three – it's not okay. Like You know what I mean? But like it's not going to stop everything. And we might have thought it would have uh, three months ago. So that is, you know, that is uh, the uh, what's interesting is the the level of risk that people are willing to accept. I think has clearly changed. I think one of the things that is, I would argue, one of the things that was very frustrating is we went through all that trouble of uh, two months of being shut in. And not a lot of was actually done to mitigate that. Uh, I know we're not New Zealand. We were never going to get to zero right now. But I'd like us to be maybe a little bit better off than we were. But nevertheless, um, it does feel, barring a massive explosion in the next month, which is possible. We just have seen a million people all out in public breathing in tear gas. And so, you know, the, the, it's certainly possible. Thrown in jail cells in small, which has literally been a festering place along with nursing homes for all of this. But uh, so far, uh, we are much uh, – right now, if you were to ask me, is the Georgia college football season going to go forward all 12 games with an SEC championship game and bowl games, everything – I would say the answer is yes, and that's 
probably not something I would have said the last time I met with you. Right. Well, no, I mean we had that question, right? Yeah. Well, will Will Georgia play Virginia uh, by herself, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I sold. Yeah. Um, I'm still not there yet. Yeah. Um, I, I, listen, I'm saying yes, but not like. Ninety percent yes. I would say I am sixty percent yes. Well, I mean, a couple of things we've learned is that um, uh, some some of the stuff is right, you know, uh, and and I think there's still some. There's a level of patting ourselves on the back because people are still, on, generally, being careful. Schools out, for example, and we're not gathering inside, for example. Um, I think we've also learned that the. uh, the coronavirus is not um, sentient and like a bad Wolfgang Peterson movie mm-hmm. uh, from the from the eighties or whatever. Um, but I think it also will bring up a great point: is the early part of July is going to be really interesting after what we've seen the past two weeks. Um, no, it might not even be early part of July. It could be mid July. Yeah, whatever. Could but be even late well, I'm July. Saying a couple yeah. weeks from now. Uh, the other part about it is that we have. Um, as as you could have probably guessed in March, but it was hard to guess because you know the the, the, the news was dire, um, intentionally so. Um, is that the the mortality rate has trended down, and, and that probably has some to do with learning how to treat. Uh, also, and also, frankly, much more widespread testing than we than we yeah, had yeah. the last time we met. Right. Like testing has ramped up. It's not entirely there. Right. Eventually, we're going like it for for schools. It's gonna have to ramp up even yeah. more. But I fully expect to have to take a test at some point. They're gonna. Jam, oh, I mean, they're I'm, gonna jam something down. I'm my, waiting till my, they my nose, don't yeah. have the test where they touch your brain. Yes, I'm waiting for that they can scan my eye. Yeah. Um, I'm not waiting for that, but that's <laughs> what I hope for. Um, but I mean, but there are a lot of there are a lot of signs that trend towards. Uh, I, me agreeing with you. I, you know, like it's, Georgia is not unique in this regard, but I, I like kind of the protocols they put in place. The the basically the seven people pod, uh, twenty people you know, practice unit. Um, the seven people pod for working out. The twenty people practice unit. Uh, one person tests positive. They're going to quarantine the whole group. Um, it it seems like there has been a great deal of thought put into this. Uh, it certainly wasn't. It certainly wasn't slapdash. Let's get guys back yeah. here and play some damn football, um, which is good, right? I, mean, I think that is positive. Um, I, I it kind of slipped out of the radar screen. Greg McGarity got another year on his contract, mm-hmm. uh, it which makes have, sense. It did have a little bit of a vibe too of I can't leave now, right? Right. <laughs> Wait, what am I gonna do? He's, right, probably, right. he's probably going to. I mean, probably ride out this last year and then retire. Well, I mean, I, I think, think if this hadn't happened, he yeah, might I be retired. The, the, mm-hmm. the rumor was when his contract was up in twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know. 2020 has been a kick in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of plays. I was supposed to be on a plane for London tomorrow. Oh, that's right. Because so, the, 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 yeah, the Cardinals, the Cardinals, uh, the Cardinals Cup Series in London was supposed to yeah, start this weekend. Sorry, so man. That's not happening either. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. My kids are supposed man. to go to camp. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things. But, you know, but, but get, you know, getting back to that, I, I think um, it's still too early for me to get my head around uh, watching football in person. It's uh, certainly too. It's, uh, Will made the joke earlier. So, hey, we're going to Tuscaloosa, yeah. um, dude. I, <laughs> we're never going to get tickets to that, even if they allow people in there. Um, but yeah, whatever. Uh, I still booked the house for Kentucky just in case. <laughs> um, Kentucky is the only game I would go to for the party. Um, it's, it, it still feels. Uh, it doesn't feel if things continue going in the direction they're going now. It doesn't feel reckless to have football. 
it does feel reckless to feel. To pack 90, the stadium. Yeah, yeah. to have 90,000 fans. Yeah. Well, Absolutely, what's happened in the Bundesliga, what's going to happen with EPL, uh, what's happened with Korean baseball, South Korean baseball. Um, All stuffed animals. Stuff Sanford with stuffed animals. Right? Right. Uh, Bethany, did you see where one of the Korean baseball teams or maybe Taiwan baseball teams got fined because they used sex dolls? I mean, the, the sex dolls were dressed. It was like, if they're dressed, they're not really sex They're just dolls. They're just dolls. You're the one with the problem if you yeah. think they're sex dolls. Why do you need to know if there's what's under the clothes? What? But, um, oh, God. <laughs> whatever. So I've heard. I did not see that story. I would no, like, I just, I would have liked to have written it was, about it, that. It was a thing. Because uh, my first thought was like, how do you know they're sex dolls? You're best. Because I thought, oh, they just they did not just put a bunch of yes. whatever they're called up in the stands. Is, but, it, uh, is it like a league executive whose job it is to check? Is that the? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well it's right down. If you have that on the bingo card, I don't care. Um, Another thing we probably need to discuss. Um, Jake Fromm definitely had a Nick Fromm moment uh, this week. I think would be a fair thing to say. Uh, I don't mean to make light of it. But uh, certainly, oh, certainly, Nick Brown moment. Uh, not great, Bob. Uh, just to review, uh, he made the comment in a private text, sure. and I think that's something that is it's worth noting. It's but illustrative, but not. It's worth noting on both sides of it, and we can get into that. Uh, which is um, that he had said that only, it, it, for the record, he did not say only elite white people should have guns. He said only suppressors. elite white people should have suppressors, which is not any better, but is different. Um, well, he said they should be expensive, so only elite whites yeah, could right. buy them. Yeah, not great. Not great. Not great. It's just a whole other layer. Yeah. And, um, frankly, gave a pretty lousy apology. Uh, and the uh, Bamani Jones was joking on Twitter that uh, he's just he just got drafted. He didn't have a good PR team yet because uh, if he did, they would have done a much, much better apology. And clearly, uh, the timing could not possibly have been worse. Uh, if Drew Brees does what he does, he has 18, 20 years in the league. He has millions of dollars. He has teammates that may have called him out and been upset with him, but also has the ability to respond and try to make a do and has certainly, if not trust, understanding and people wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt um, uh, in that regard, Who people who know him. Um, rookie camp's going to be tough for him. If Jake Fromm does not camp. have that. Jake Fromm, and also, frankly, I think he did something that is worse than what Drew oh, Brees absolutely. did. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like Drew, like, like, and I think to me, like, here's the way. Here's the best way to put that. A month ago, Drew Brees could have said yeah. what he said. There would have been backlash. There would have been people that would have been upset, but it would have not been this. Mm-hmm. Jake Fromm would have been screwed if he'd have said this a month ago. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any question. So to do it now is, I think, uh, it's going to be real hard for him. And uh, on one hand, yes, it was a private message with someone who uh, who uh, he felt he could trust. And on the other hand, as the person that put out the private message mentioned, this is exactly the type of stuff that we're supposed to be calling out now. Yeah. Is the private stuff, is the private jokes, the those sort of things that we haven't in the past. Because we've all heard our friends make racist jokes. We all have. And, like, I have not thrown the person off the roof. Not that we were, we were making, he was saying them on the roof, but if we were off something high. Well, there's uh, a fiddler and it's yeah. a roof, and it's. And uh, it's just not. And 
frankly, I think a lot of us have people in our probably our extended family uh, who uh, who have said things, and 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 you know, I think the argument of this person, and it is a big thing to take a private text message from someone and display it to the world. But I think their argument was, see, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, this is what we're supposed to be calling out. Now, do I think that person clearly knew? Like, this person was not doing it to you or you or me. Like, we are semi-public figures, but we are not new quarterbacks joining a new football team who just had a very high-profile fall in the NFL draft. And a large reason that people were still excited about him is because he was such a good guy and his mm-hmm. teammates loved him. So the uh, clearly there's going to be some major, major issues to him to the point that I think it's going to be... Re- I'm surprised he wasn't cut that day. It's going to be real tough. It's going to be real, real tough, and and his apology was bad. Like it was, it was, it was very. It was milk toast. It was milk toast, and this is not the time for milk toast apologies. Yeah, and, uh, and, and look, and it's, it's not fine to have a milk toast apology. It was an apology that would have been fine in April. Yeah, um, and it ain't April. Yeah, and I and it's it's and listen, do I think that this means that Jake Fromm is a terrible human being? I do not think that. Agreed. I also don't know Jake Fromm. And uh, this this does not – I'll put it this way. This does not immediately make me think that he is a terrible human being. It, however, tells me something about Jake Fromm that I did not know. And uh, and I think a lot of people feel that way. And uh, um, it's going to be hard for him. And frankly, we talked about this before with Jake Fromm about how weird it was to listen to the old games and realize, wow, this guy that was so central – to the return of Georgia football. I mean, not return to me, but the emergence of Georgia football to me, uh, uh, to this place that it now is, which let's not, like, let's not, let's give the man his very due credit, isn't the reason Georgia football, one of the major reasons that Georgia football has been so good the last three years that's led to this level has been Jake Fromm. And has been Jake Fromm, all of his teammates loving him and and having a mind melt with his coach. But we talked about how it felt weird to listen to these old highlights and know that he never actually finished the thing to, uh, and I think it would affect how we always talk about Jake Fromm. I think this is also going to affect how we always talk about Jake Fromm. And that is an unfortunate of timing, but it's also an unfortunately lousy thing that he said. And uh, I am... Uh, I'm sure it's very frustrating. I'm sure it's very upsetting. But, uh, and, that, like, it's the type of stuff you're not, you're, that's what you're supposed to call out. And that's what the person did. And also, it was not 2002. It was not 2008. It wasn't uh, Josh Hader being an idiot in high school, saying, uh, quoting rap lyrics. And oh, you mean Josh say, Allen? No, Josh Hader, the the reliever for the Milwaukee for the yeah. Milwaukee Brewers, oh. who got nailed for this. But or Josh like, Allen? Yeah, yeah, or Josh, Josh Allen. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking he did. But the same like thing. this was last year. Yeah, this was last year, and uh, it's it's not good. And. Uh, and I, uh, uh, as someone who has cheered for Jake Fromm a lot over the last three years, and I think is an indelible part of um, Georgia football history, and as someone who, uh, the day after the draft, ordered his son, his six-year-old son, almost six-year-old son, a uh, Jake Fromm jersey because he loves the Bills and wanted to have that. Uh, it's unfortunate, uh, um, but... Uh, I think he's just kind of got. He's got a lot of work to do. He's got a lot of work to do, and frankly, I don't know if it's salvageable. I don't. I don't know if it's salvageable. 
I don't know if it should be salvageable, to be entirely honest. And that is definitely an unfortunate part of timing. But again, not only did what he do do, but not only did what he did fall exactly into the thing that we're all cl- saying, like this the new thing, like what you're supposed to be doing now is calling this stuff out. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're doing that to have that happen and have that happen now, and then to have his apology be pretty lousy. Um, it's a bad situation. I mean, the apology was fine, but the problem is he needed better. He needed more than a fine apology. He needed to eat it. Yeah, he needed to eat it. Yeah, and he didn't eat it. Yeah, and uh, and that's. I think it's. I mean, for a guy that still has a met his team. Yeah, and uh, Man, rookie camp's gonna be hard if I he mean, makes it up there. Yeah, and never mind the fact that like he's gonna like it's already gonna be really hard for every rookie in yeah. the NFL this year. Yeah, uh, and this is not a guy the Bills are gonna have a ton of money invested in. Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 gonna be tough. And I think Matt Barkley's already on the team. You got Josh Allen, Matt Barkley. It's, go, it's gonna be tough. Yeah. It's gonna be real tough. But the and, good news uh, is we'll have baseball to distract us, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, baseball. For what it's worth, uh, I do think there will be a baseball season. I, now the question is, will this double be, elimination round robin? I was gonna say, will <laughs> this baseball season be a fifty-game mandated uh, by the commissioner, which he can do? For the record, he can do that. He can mandate. Now he'll still have to pay them their full salaries, but it'll be fifty games. And would they just do forty-eight to make the math? I think, yeah, well, I think you'd probably do forty-eight to make the math work, and then have like nine playoff teams, which basically turns it into basically a long double elimination tournament. Yeah, um, uh, call it a triple elimination tournament. Yeah, but, it's like the College World Series. Yeah, it's, it's it's really it's actually it. It turns it into more. We joked last time that if they played half a season, it would be like a college baseball season. Yeah. This makes it more like a college basketball season. So it could be like the Rangers and the Pirates, the World Series, if they get hot. Could be absolutely insane. It could be absolute insanity. And uh, and so, but more to the point, if that happens, um, the rancor between the players and the union, if they mandate it and just say fifty games and eat it. Um, the CBA, as I've said before, expires at the end of 2021. Um, I think that uh, not only uh, will that make that a disaster of a negotiation, it'll make 2021 a disastrous year uh, to the point where it would not shock me if there's a lockout in the middle of the season uh, with that pending. It will take Brock Meyer 2030 to kill baseball. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, to be honest... I love baseball. I work for baseball. I write about <laughs> baseball. I love baseball. Uh, I don't think it is unreasonable for any person to be like, you know what, honestly, screw all of you. Like, screw all of you. You've already missed an opportunity. Never minding the 4th of July thing, which I actually, as I wrote for New York Magazine last week, I think is a little, yeah, it's a little overrated. Like, the idea that, like, oh, look, right now, let's all celebrate this but, wonderful place of America that we all love right but, now. But it's, but it's... The thing about it is, like, even if it was cr- crazy to look at that way, it's just exactly the thing. It's like the over-the-top crazy thing you do, right? It's like the grand gesture you do when you screw up, yeah. right? You do it on Fourth of July. You have the Yankees and you have the Yankees and the Red Sox. So ESPN has something to talk about. Yeah, and, and, and to me, that's the larger issue. Is that like there are a lot of people that probably don't watch a lot of baseball anymore and don't love baseball as much as they used to. 
that would watch a whole freaking month of baseball. They're watching stuffed animals play Korea, watch Korean baseball right now. They would watch. The I'm watching cr- cornhole. They have the full month. They've had the full. They would have the full month to themselves, and they could not get it together. Now, they not only can they not get it together, they can't even. Like they can't even like have a conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know that is I mean, it is very a, frustrating. God. I have personal thoughts um, about whose fault who if the, who is more at fault, but I don't think that really matters. Uh, what matters is that in the grand uh, scheme of things, they're what two hundred million dollars off. Yeah. Which and, is a, and we say that in a crazy way. Every team's worth a billion dollars. Literally, every yeah. team is worth a billion dollars. And you're gonna the amount of money that you're gonna lose by screwing this up in the short and long term. So much more is gonna be so much more than this. Million, they're, yeah. they're arguing over nickels and dimes. Right. There's a great there's a great article that I saw this week, uh, and I could not remember who it's from. I apologize for not giving the byline, but basically, basically the owners are at they're willing to take they're willing to take a four hundred million dollar hit. They've already said that. And the, what the players want is a six hundred million dollar hit. And you can argue whose fault that is, or who's but, right, or who's right, wrong. You can, you can. But it's not that but, much but the, money. But the point of the matter is, two hundred million dollars to to both these almost oligarch baseball owners mm. and also the vast majority of the players is it's nothing. Well, more to the point, in the like the amount of money that you're going to lose long term, both of you. Both of you. That's a, and that's the point. And uh, is so much larger than two hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, listen, I I understand the players' frustration. I feel like they've gotten three different offers from the owners, and they've all been kind of variations of the same offer. And right. I think that is very frustrating. And I thank you. Oh, I understand I that the, that is very well, frustrating. And on top of that, to be perfectly honest, the players thought they had a deal. Right, that and they, they and they and they told. I mean, they reasonably thought they had a deal. And I, you know, if probably if fans are back, they did have a deal. Yeah. Right, and for what it's worth, uh, Texas is allowing fans in their stadiums right now. Yeah, so uh, it's almost as if they're fighting. For the record, I don't think they should be doing that, and I ultimately don't think they will do that. But that actually speaks to how much baseball screwed this up. That they've actually diddled around on this long enough. That they might actually end up putting stands in the fans, any uh, fans, in the stands, stands anyway. in the fans, stands in the fans, yeah. and it's it's frustrating. It's a very frustrating thing. It's frustrating as someone that okay, my my, my father has spent his pandemic building crap. He's built a garage. He's built a a, a little uh, fire pit. He's built a little uh, o- overhang that's got a, a big at one of the big ass fans on it to where he can sit and watch. He is ready for baseball to come back. Like he is like is and he's a seventy year old man. He's seventy one years old. He would All watch like, every Cardinals every whether it's forty eight or eighty two. He would uh, watch every one. I mean, I mean, the, this past weekend I was away with my wife in the bedroom, Gavin. My my kids stay with my dad, and they sat out there and just watched old condensed Cardinals games on uh, off MLB TV on there. Like people are desperate, and the idea that baseball can't get this together, and not just can't get it together, but. Everyone at once is like, yeah, of course baseball can't get it together. Right. Baseball always has this problem. And that is not – as someone that loves baseball as much as I love anything other than my family, um, uh, is uh, it's a hard thing to take. It's a hard thing to take. And I have – obviously I have I, – I, I got skin in the game. 
like I write about baseball, I love baseball. I my insurance is through baseball. Mm-hmm. Like uh, th- these things are important to me, uh, but uh, it's frustrating. It is very very frustrating, and um, to see and again, I I think in the negotiating sense, I think negotiation wise, I think the owners have. Uh, probably more room to I would argue would have more room to give than the players but I don't I think it's perfectly reasonable for every person the person that watches this to be like who gives a crap about any of your negotiations figure it out or don't yeah. one of the problems with baseball Twitter is baseball Twitter like a lot of like political Twitter is always let's fight yeah screw the owners screw the players everyone's just screaming back and forth and everyone's going to the corners and they're just but the, the thing is is like Politics, maybe, uh, are always going to happen. We're probably always going to have a government. We're always <laughs> going to have the Oscars. People fight about movies. People always uh, people fight about all these things. Baseball is at an, an existential peril right now, and they don't get it. They have no and idea. And it is very, very frustrating. I mean, frankly, they're where the NBA was in the late 80s. Yeah, or early '90s, I guess. I would say early '90s, and and for the record, the NBA was in a lot of trouble. And you could make an argument that it was really LeBron. It was really kind of LeBron and Kobe and LeBron, yeah, kind of coming in and and maybe Sha- and Shaq, yeah. Shaq would be a part of that, and uh, and coming in and fixing. And but it all, that also had an incredible leader, and uh, and and more to the point, cooperation between the players and the owners. yeah. But the wasn't the ranker. I mean, and. Yeah. And part of this is historic, right? You know, they're, I mean, this harkens back. I mean, the reserve clause had smatterings of other indentured servitude type yes, yes. things, right? And that is, that's been gone for 51 years, right. and it's still 69, right? This Kurt Floyd case mm-hmm. in 5069, or 51 years, 1969. Yeah, right, 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 right. So, I mean, but there still is. The player association still has a long-term lack of trust with the owners because of that, and it's not—that's not wrong. Yeah. But I just felt like people like they, neither side like some. I I wish the owners would give. I wish the owners would give more than they're giving. Yeah. And I wish players would give more than they're giving. But right now they're just everyone's just like they're just stuck in the corners. Yep. They're stuck in the corners, and they're it's a potential disaster. And at first I really thought, like, come on. They're not really going to screw this up. Well, you predicted we this. You predicted oh. this three weeks ago. Well, they're continuing to screw it up. I, I just figured someone eventually would yeah. take their foot off the gas. Yeah, and they're not. Yeah, and that is very frustrating. Yeah. Well, I figured uh, we would do a little bit of Georgia football talk because okay. uh, since we do, as Tony exclaimed with his proclamation earlier that. Football players are on campus right now. They are on campus. Um, you know, one thing that struck me interesting was... Not wearing, by the way, like all of you should be wearing, masks mask when you are in public. And look, look, okay, guys. Are you wearing a mask yet, Scott? I have a bandana. Okay, whatever, that, that counts. Here's that the counts. thing. Here's that the counts. Everybody, everybody listen to me. It's, listen, not, it's not perfect, but it's great. It's listen perfect. to me. I'm going to give you a shout out. Will made a, a, a great analogy about all, pee, everybody in the room peeing. It's not, it's not my analogy. It's not my analogy. <laughs> I played that for Mark. So it is not my analogy. So if you're in a room with Will and he's peeing. <laughs> no, okay. I'm making a rhetorical point. So here's the thing. You're not wearing a mask for yourself. You're wearing a mask for other people. So if you think somehow you're being a because you're wearing a mask, no, no, no. You are looking out for your neighbor. 
That's what you're doing. So sorry, how, uh, you should write that time down. That's no. what I said. No, that's all so, right. but you're looking out for your neighbor. You're actually literally doing the thing you were d- commanded to do by <laughs> Jesus and them. See, but I don't think. When it's 98 degrees and you're playing East Tennessee State in Sanford Stadium, I don't see how putting a mask on that you're not going to fall out with all the bourbon you've drank earlier anyway. <laughs> well, that's another Which is the crux of the problem innocent. with having 92 There's just all sorts of problems yeah. uh, with having... with having. And is there a possibility that... What if they do they temperature checks? I just I don't know about that. I don't th- well, because the WHO came out today saying asymptomatic spread. Ah, that's actually not true. That's actually a You're very misleading headline. Less, that's less, not actually what they said. Likely. Less likely, but yes. still, that's better news than we had. It's actually not. I'm sorry, I, I can't get into. It's an incredibly long explanation. I literally just got a text from my wife right now saying, "Hey, asymptomatic." I was like, "Sorry," and I sent her to. So a, what's the so what's the deal. I mean, I read the headline. I kind of scanned. It's, it's, it's very complicated, okay. but the best way to explain it... Dr. Will. I, and I may screw this up, but okay. I'm going to do the best I can, is the WHO, because the WHO is kind of a crappy organization, yeah. uh, and their, their messaging is kind of messed up. And so what they're doing, they have not clarified yet whether they're saying asymptomatic or not yet, or not yet showing symptoms. Which is to say that, like, the difference between and I, it's it, there's a thread about this that explains this better than I can, but it is not no the WHO unless they're, they let's say have access to evidence that no one else has seen is not actually saying or could not be it should not be actually saying that hey asymptomatic people can't transfer what it seems to be saying and they're saying it awkwardly is that there is a lower bit of transmission before someone is showing symptoms which i think we would all assume is probably true what it doesn't say and what they've been very awkward with their messaging about is that if you are asymptomatic you can't give it because if that were true, then we could just do the temperatures and be fine. Well, I think I, a lot I, of people, a lot of people are going to get that confused then, because I know I was everything was confused before Doctor Will just spoke to me. I was confused. I, listen, I'm still <laughs> confused. I'm still confused. Yeah. But it, like, it is, it, it is not a, as simple as that. That story has gone around all day, and it is not as simple. And as that. that fits with the whole 2020. You know, the fact that you think you've yeah, got everyone, something, no and then you don't. But you and, know, and I think it speaks to the idea. Last thing on this is uh, my uh, my editor at New York Magazine, Dave Walswells, who wrote the book The Uninhabitable Earth about climate change, has been one of the smartest people on this. And he wrote a great piece last week about schools, about the idea of an argument, a good argument could be made that the societal backwards movement for kids not going to school, specifically for Tying into the other topic, African-American children who often don't have reliable internet access and don't have computers at home, is the, the, pro, the issues you get with that could outweigh getting kids back to school and the potential transfer. Because we don't know a lot yet about how kids transfer or how kids get it or all of those things. Uh, fortunately, a lot of places in Europe are back at school now, so we will find out. But uh, one of the many infuriating things about this is that, like, every day, again, there's something else. every yeah. day there's something else, every day there's another story gets around, other days there's something, oh, wait, it's this, I heard this, oh, no, that's not true, and no one knows, and we just don't know, and we're all in the dark trying to figure it out, though it is worth noting, other countries are doing better than we are. Uh, that is not worth missing. 
we are like other countries are looking at us and being like, wow, the U.S. is really screwing this up. They have their own problems. No one is saying that they've nailed it. Even New Zealand is not saying that they've nailed it and they haven't had any tested any positive cases in two weeks. But the overwhelming global consensus is that the U.S. and Brazil, who's actually done worse, uh, are really screwing this up. And, uh, and I think that leads to the sense of confusion and the sense of what I think what a lot of people are doing, which is, man, like, we're not in our houses anymore. So, like, whatever. Let's just do the best we can. And that's kind of where I am, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it's yeah. Just like that's what we're doing tonight. I'll do the best we can. We've got a little bit outside. We've got distance. Have we reduced the risk to zero? No, we have not. But reducing the risk to zero could mean not leaving your house for two years. And I don't think people are going to do that. No. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I no, no. My, my mask well, but, but no, that, but that, I mean, what you bring up is what I was talking about earlier. It's like the, the more, the, the longer we go, the more... You know, the more we we learn about how to deal with this, and frankly, the more we, the more we're able to kind of like suss out what works and doesn't, and and hopefully not die in the process. Well, but you know, a month ago <laughs> or a month, five weeks ago, the thought of reopening was a crass capitalistic move, and maybe it was, but the reality is, um, it looks like it wasn't. It, it did not bring on the mass surge in deaths. And yet. Yet, but, I mean, we're, we're five weeks. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're better than I thought we would be at this yeah, point. Yeah, oh, yes, definitely. Um, but that doesn't mean that we should stop being diligent. It also doesn't mean we should be stupid, right? I'm not going to Lake of Ozarks. Um, and <laughs> For the record, that's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> well, overall, but... <laughs> um, because I don't have a good Coke guy. But um, the... Look, to bring this back around to Georgia football, it's hard for me to fathom sitting here on June the seventh, eighth, whatever. Pick a day. Um, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. Who it's knows Thursday. when it's this Thursday will Denver. be edited? Yeah. It's Thursday, Denver. Um, it's hard for me to fathom going onto campus, dragging my stuff on campus, piling up around. Even if we could social distance our tailgate, which we maybe could. Um, being around all the people who are not socially distancing and then going in the stadium, even if it's 25,000 people or 35,000 people. Can you imagine going to the Virginia game with 15,000 people? Uh, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I mean, it'd be and, like a tech game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. But but the reality is, is like, look, what are they going to do? Everybody's going to go to the lower deck. They're not going to have police out there making people sit apart. People are going to be piled up in those. It's just like we saw with, like, we saw the pictures of people at college camp uh, on Athens on Friday. Yeah, they're like, they're all out of the bars. That's what they do. Because that's what being out is. That's what we're humans. That's right. That is right. There is no conceivable way you can put 25,000 people in Sanford Stadium and expect them to be evenly distributed all the way up to the tech deck. It's For not four happening. hours. It's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. So we'll see what decision they make on that. But, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Scott. You yeah. had that thing for us, and we just we derailed it. Sorry. Well, it's been an hour and ten minutes. So yeah. Please. Short Bye. podcast this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things that struck me last year. A bit by coronavirus. I don't know what it was. Sorry. Oh, we got spider bite. I got, what do you think that is? Contagion. It, 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 I, got, I got I got bit when I was in the Raven Gap. I've been trying to figure out what it was. It's probably contagion. Yeah. Copperhead. <gasps> Rhesus monkey. Definitely looks like I, I was humping a bat. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Dustin Hoffman shows up in a yellow suit. You need to leave. <laughs> yeah. I'm just they're just so good looking. 
I mean, yeah. Do we even really need to do this anymore? <laughs> what's a what's a bat fetish? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Kenner Reeves, uh, Kenner Reeves, and Bram Dracula. I'm just saying. I'm more of an old man. I'm more of an old man guy. No, but, uh, please. No, no made guy. me think of Tom Cruise and stuff. Okay. Do you have anything or, or trivia? No. no. I We're not going to do trivia? trivia? No, no, we will. We'll do trivia. Okay. I, I just think the others, is, is, we can... We, I mean, we'll we, get to that. We can talk about that stuff later. Before gonna, we get to trivia, can I... Can I was going to talk about depth charts. Can I, oh, yeah, we'll set all that on that. Hold on. Yeah. We, 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 haven't, we haven't talked about JT Daniels, but frankly, I don't think anybody knows anything yet. I mean, it's, it came out the blue, right? Yeah. It, it was like... I literally got a text from... First time I heard of it, I got a text from a buddy that's a Southern Cal fan. It's like, is this real, Mike? What? It certainly was unusual. I, it was certainly unusual than I expected. So he's coming off an ACL. Yeah, that brace that he had, uh, Sutherland brought out, Sutherland drink. I, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. yeah, that brace was not a minor brace. So well, you got to uh, think maybe what he's thinking is that he's going to use this coming year to sit out, and then he, you know, Jamie Newman plays this year. You got a backup of Carson Beck or Stetson Bennett or Dwan Mathis or uh, you know, Griff. Vandergriff comes next in next year, yeah. year. That's what I'm saying. The year after, right? Well, here and here's here's what I kind of wanted to ask you. Um, there's been uh, ink spilled on whether Trevor Lawrence should even play this year. You know, because he's gonna he's guaranteed top five pick or something. So he's played two years. He has a fantastic body of work. So why not? If Vandergriff is the five star ultimate guy, let JT Daniels play next year. Vandergriff sits kind of like how Fromm was behind Eason, and if he needs to play, fine. But he might only need to play two years. You have to be three years out of high school anyway. It limits his chance for injury, and yet he's not sitting out that last year like how potentially potentially Trevor Lawrence would. So I mean, also if Vandergriff wants, he can win the job, and exactly. I think that he can actually, win the job. and to me that is uh, uh, there was a great piece of forgive me, uh, I don't know the author, but it was on uh, it was on uh, the uh, the SB Nation Georgia blog. And um, oh, right, yeah, it's probably um, and it was, is it red red crake or um, um, it, was, it was a good piece. I don't want to make for not remembering. But it was a good piece about because I guess he was on a radio show. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, talking about uh, is Kirby Smart in trouble? And mm-hmm. and the, he was like, uh, no, uh, and he's not. But he one of the things he talked about was th- that Kirby Smart's been really good at is finding mistakes he's made and trying to correct them. And he made a good argument in that, like you know what, when did Jake Fromm have, have his worst year? He had his worst year when he didn't have any competition. Uh-huh. Like that was yeah. when he had his worst year. And so one of the things you might want to correct is you put competition at the quarterback. If Vanderbilt wants to win that job for JT Daniels, he can win it. And like Jake Fromm did when he beat both Justin Fields uh, and, and Jacob Eason. And so I think, I think there's, there's a method to that madness. I mean, if you think about it, look at the quarterback room for 2020. You got five-star... JT Daniels, yeah, he's injured. He might not be able to play, but he's still in the roster. You got three-star. Jamie Newman was a three-star, and, of course, he's had four years of play. He's a grad transfer. Carson Beck, four-star, freshman, true freshman. Stetson Bennett, three-star, junior. He's still got two years of eligibility. And you got Dwan Mathis, redshirt freshman, still with four years of eligibility. And then Nathan Priestley, I like to throw him out. He was the third string last year. He was a stud quarterback that left California and came over here just for a preferred walk-on. Yeah. yeah. So, that was Dog Out West, by the dog way. Dog Out West. That was a good piece. I like that piece. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And the funny thing is, it's like, I've been asked that question before, right? Uh, but not not by, you know, sports uh, sports talk, but it's, 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 an, it's a fun narrative because we need narratives, right? You can't just, you can't have reason in conversation. <laughs> um, but the, the reality is, like, 
that. No, Kirby Smart's on the hot seat. Yeah, that's insane. If you think he's on a hot look, if you're a Georgia fan and Kirby Smart's on a hot seat for you, nothing short of winning the national championship every season is going to satisfy you. And I know you're out there, guys, and that's fine. Please don't tweet at me. But the reality is, is that look, if we go to 2030 and Kirby Smart hasn't won a championship. Yeah, he's gonna be in trouble. Fine, let's have that conversation. Right? <laughs> right. Because he really is. Mark I don't know Rick. if he'll make it to twenty thirty. Right, if he doesn't but then he really is Mark Rick, right? Right, right, right? But the reality is, it's like if you had asked nineteen ninety eight any Georgia fan in nineteen ninety eight, what if I told you George is going to win the SEC three times? Yeah, George is going to be in the SEC championship game five times. George is going to be. Legitimately should have been in the national championship game one year, was a tip pass away a different year, and had a path three other years over the next the fifteen years from two thousand one to two thousand fifteen. Would you take that? You would have taken that in a heartbeat. And I'm sorry, it's revisionist history if you don't think that, because from 1984 until 1998, there were some dark ass days. We're going to talk about that. I'm just saying. So it is also worth remembering, by the way, uh, I had this conversation today about the idea that um, last year uh, Georgia was awesome and had a year that almost in any other year in the history of Georgia football, people would have been like losing their mind about. And everyone was like, and, and we sucked on offense. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, we yeah. did suck on offense. We're yeah. middle of the road on offense. Well, I'm pretty uh, bullish on Jamie Newman. I mean, coming as a transfer because if you look at the last year's college football playoff, Look at the teams that were in there. You had Justin Fields, transfer. Joe Burrow, transfer. Jalen Hurts, transfer. And then the last three Heisman Trophy winners were all transfers from Mayfield to so, Murray so to Burrow. Yeah. So, by the way, I think next year's Heisman Trophy winners going to be a transfer. Sad trombone, guys. Oh. I mean, <laughs> Justin Fields? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we will table the uh, – the talk of we're not doing uniform talk. No, no. So we just have trivia. Yeah, we just have. Well, trivia. can I make my announcement? I have an announcement. Yeah, you. Well, so you by the time this comes ba, out, ba, ba, ba. I have two. I have two things. And one, by the time this comes out, because um, it's being announced tomorrow, Tuesday morning, uh, I saw my book. I saw my book. I saw my book. I take. I have a book called Lucky. It's a novel uh, about. Uh, you went with Lucky. Awesome. I went with Lucky. Went with Lucky, and it takes place in Athens. Uh, there is it is not about sports, but there's a lot of tailgating. Is there a podcast? Uh, there is not a podcast, but I will. Don't don't worry, listeners. Am I Steve in the it book? It will come up. It will come up. It's uh, the lead character is nothing like me. It uh-huh. is not that kind of novel. Uh, but uh, I, I, the book will be on Vulture nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Uh, so uh, Wait, so we can buy it. Uh, we can't buy it tomorrow, but it will be announced. The sale happened last week, the week before last. And because uh, they asked me to come up with a quote for the press release, and I said, you know, it has always been a dream of mine to uh, sell a novel during a pandemic and unprecedented social unrest. <laughs> it is just my good fortune that it landed exactly right for me at this particular moment. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so HarperCollins is going to publish it, wow. and uh, it will be out awesome. uh, hopefully in the summer of uh, 2021, assuming we still have an America in uh, summer of 2021. But if we do, uh, I hope everyone will. Uh, so can I get a back cover quote? Uh, of all the writers I know, Will is a writer. Will is one of them. 
And so yeah, so uh, so that that's so that, that's kind of big news. That's kind of my big thing that's happened during all this. Is the book? Uh, I finally sold the freaking book, and it Congrats, takes place in Athens. Man, that's place, awesome. It takes place in Athens, and uh, what's the jacket look like? Uh, we have we. I literally just sold. Okay. I haven't got my edit back from my new editor yet. Okay, uh, but uh, but it's so. Uh, you know, this was unsolicited. Uh, it's very off-brand. It's not sports. It's not movies. So, um, Are we in the acknowledgments or? In the, I haven't written that book. Oh, okay. This is what I've learned about writing books, by the way, is nobody gives a crap about the book. They just want to know well, if you're. Is my name in it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just an anonymous. But just the initials. Really colon. The, what a writer. There's got to be a. There's got to be a character with the initials T W. Yeah. <laughs> the last time. The I last time I published a book, I uh, was I was still three years away from moving here, so uh, I didn't know you guys. Yet. Yeah. But, uh, it was, now, uh, and that book was good. Yeah, the book was. Uh, it was. Uh, it certainly. Uh, but yeah, so. I, so it's very exciting. That was kind of exciting, and then so there's a local connection. So congrats, uh, man! That's a that. that's a lot. That's a long term. And this project. is kind of a funny. This is my second thing uh, today. I don't know if I actually should announce this yet, but screw it. Um, I'm going to be writing weekly for Bulldog Illustrated this year. Congrats, nice. man! I don't know if it's a congrats. I just thought it'd be fine. I just talked to Vance today, and he was like, "Can we afford you?" I said, "No, yeah, you, you can't, really can't. You can't afford me." Uh, but. Uh, it has always been a goal of mine. One of the reasons I started doing this podcast in the first place, frankly, was I always felt like kind of national and didn't really have like a local thing. And uh, last year, last year I went to uh, um, one of one of Alexa's good friends from Columbus. Uh, we were at uh, we were at the, the 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 tailgate before the after your tailgate before the game. We were over there, and um, and Vance came by and took a picture of uh, my wife, uh, me and my wife, and our friends from Columbus. And the friend from Columbus was like. Oh my god, we're going to be a bulldog illustrated. Oh my god, we're going to be a bulldog illustrated. Oh my that's god, crazy. we're going to get the picture. And to me, I, the, no offense to Vance, so I think that's a perfectly fine job. But it's a, it's a bulldog illustrated. You know, it's, they do a good job. It's great, but it's you know, I think there's a limit to the, the idea of it. But he's been oh, trying. They own their lane. And that's what I mean. He's been trying to get me to do something for a while. And I was like, I'll tell you what. Let me just write like just. He's like, how much one? I was like, that's not, that's, we don't even need to have that conversation. Like, whatever makes your conscience feel right. clear. <laughs> uh, but, um, but uh, yeah, so assuming there is a season, uh, you will be able to see my column on the, uh, the pulse of the fan base. Uh, every week uh, in Bulldog Illustrated. Uh, so uh, I thought that uh, it was. It's. I've. I've been wanting to have. Don't worry. I will still do my yearly big piece for WSLSpodcast.com. Okay. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I thought that's something I've kind of thought would be kind of fun to do. Uh, just because yeah, this is my home, you know, and I feel like I. I. Uh, I don't live in New York anymore, even though I write for New York Magazine. I live in uh, Athens, and uh, so I. I thought it would be kind of a fun thing to do, and it might make uh, uh, the last thing on this is. Uh, I don't know. You know Columbus, uh, yep. Scott, and uh, particularly people that my wife hung out with that went to Brookstone. Uh, I think it's fair to say that politically speaking, they are on a different place than I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ran into one of them after the SEC championship game, and before the SEC championship game, excuse me. And uh, and he said uh, he was saying to me, oh, no, "Don't worry, it's not that story, Tony." And uh, <laughs> I'm not, Tony knows exactly what story that I'm not going to tell God. right now. Uh, but um, we ran into one of them before the game. He's like, "I loved your piece that you wrote." For your website, I said that to all my buddies, and I said, "You know what? Say what you will about Will. 
but he understands the fan base. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, well, thanks. Um, so, uh, I mean, so, that's kind of hot. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, but, so I, I look forward to, uh, to the listeners to this that are constantly like, that uh, are like, yeah, Will's not really one we of like us. We like Will. But, we uh, wish we had more. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if that's a common thing, but you are during this year. I thought it would be just a short little like. It'll take me like 20 minutes to write the thing, but wow. it'll be. Uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun thing. Awesome, man. That's awesome. I thought it'd be kind of fun. Yeah. How long would it take you to write that, Tony? Me? Yeah. Oh, you're a fast writer. You could write. 20 minutes. Yeah, you can write. Yeah. You, you haven't written any of my writing if you think I put any attention into oh, it. Oh, no. I, I like your, you know how you, you write columns write. on your Twitter. You just put my column. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I so. am knee-deep in a project. But mostly buy the book. <laughs> buy the book. Please buy the book. I, I have to write scripts for a... Uh, so, in our trade association, I'm chair of a work group. We're writing scripts for things. It's so dry, but I have to write scripts, like literal narrative scripts for videos. I am in over my head. Well, I write the intro and outro to all these podcasts. No, yeah. it's, it's amazing what you do. You do good. Four How long does it take you? Four six minutes. How long does it take you to write? Oh, not long. Yeah, I do yeah. it right after I finish editing. Whatever I make notes. I've made notes while we've been talking. Good. I've, I've written down clanking glasses, bugs, outdoor noise, and serious conversation. Because oh, I don't okay. want to. I want to set that up for people yeah. listening. Uh, yeah. I'd like to tell when said Will said. <laughs> I did. Did I? No, I <laughs> no, said. <you> said. <laughs> I just got All right. Think so. so let's get into the uh, the trivia. This is, and you know, a minute ago, Tony, or actually about twenty minutes ago, you said the Dark Ages or that. something, uh, eighty-four through ninety-eight or something like that, and I said we were going to talk about that. We aren't talking about the Dark Ages to be dark. It's just that's kind of when these questions kind of enveloped. And actually, the first question has to do with a long, long time ago. So anyway, I'll, I'll quit teasing it and I'll actually get into it. Uh, so yeah, these are just uh, five questions. Uh, that you say nineteen eighty-six. We're catching these hands. No, I'm going to start with nineteen eighteen. Okay, because. You know, the, the pandemic. The pandemic. So, here we go. Question number one. University of Georgia did not field a football team in 1917 because of World War One, and 1918 because of World War One and the Spanish flu pandemic. Uh, but there were some current SEC schools that did play both years. Can you name those schools? Some some did not play in certain years, but just can you name schools that played during Either World War One? Either one of those years. Either one of those years. Uh, yeah. How many okay. are there? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll right. go first. Auburn. That's correct. They played both years. Of course they did. Georgia Tech. They played, but they're not current SECs. Oh, you say current. Current SEC. I thought you meant. I'm sorry. Right, because then I didn't write down Sewanee either. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hold on. There are eight of them. Arkansas. No. All right. I'm, can I see if I can double up on the hub mm-hmm. data? Um, Alabama. They played uh, in 1917. Vanderbilt. They played both years. Tennessee. Tennessee did not play. Ah, okay. Florida. Florida played in 17. Texas A&M. Texas A&M did not play. Mississippi. Mississippi played both years. Mississippi State. Mississippi State played both years, but they were called Mississippi A&M. Are we counting? Yeah. Yeah, that counts. We got two left. Two left. Uh, Kentucky. Nope. Um, South Carolina. Yes, they played both years. There's one left. Missouri. Nope. Uh, 
I'm out of schools. So that gets all. That's every school that's ever. Uh, LSU. LSU. LSU played. That. I was gonna say LSU. Yeah. The other yeah. team that just won the national championship. Yeah. Never heard of them. Found that interesting to me. I was trying to dig deep. I said, I was like, well, I know Tech did because I've seen yeah. pictures. Yeah. I know Tulane did. Yeah. It is funny when you look back in history and you're like, wow, Georgia didn't play football for two years. That's kind of crazy. And now you're like, if Georgia didn't play football for two years. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Wow. I did. I, you know, I, was, I went down a rabbit hole of trying to read. And the only thing I could, the only pieces of history I could find was that the college or University of Georgia shut down on October 7th, 1918, for three weeks. And it's interesting. When I looked on the Hargett Library, um, a lot of the language on the... Uh, the isolation and the quarantine was very similar. Yeah. Of course, they used some old English, like yeah. "ye," it felt like, or something. But <laughs> right. they were talking um, about me, you know. But but still, it was very similar. But they were they were shut down for three weeks, and classes shut down, and uh, yeah, there was no football. So interesting. All right, question number two: Georgia is scheduled to play Virginia on Labor Day. This will mark the twentieth all-time meeting between the Dogs and the Cavaliers. Oh they have played in four different locations. Can you name those locations? Okay, hot potato. Yeah, um, San City. Athens, yes. Uh, uh, you don't have to say the state name. Atlanta. That's correct. Charlottesville. That's correct. Honolulu, Hawaii. That is correct, right, Tony. Good job, us. They uh, and coincidentally, they won thirty-seven to fourteen in the year two thousand. Yeah, they did. The Oahu Bowl. Next question: The Oahu Bowl. Marked Jim Donnan's last game at Georgia. He coached from 1996 to 2000. What was his overall record? Okay, so just, um, how about just how many wins he? Had? How many wins? It was, did not, he it was not 51 and three. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna let's, go. Let's price is right. This. All right. Here you go. Let's price is right. All right. This. That's fair. That's fair. So five full seasons. Five full seasons. Okay. I'll go first. I will go first. You want to go first? I, go first. I was, was going to offer. I'll go 35. I'll take the over. Tony's correct. I think he's 41. He was 40 and 19. 40, okay. And really, if you remember, the reason why he was fired, he couldn't beat Florida, couldn't beat Auburn, and didn't he beat was Tech. Like, he was like 1 and 14 against yeah. us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't beat Tech. Wow. Simpler times. <laughs> so instead of a question, I'm just going to do this as a did you know. This will be question four. I didn't. Did you know that Ray Goff, who co- – yeah, Tony Tony just jumped off the, the porch. <laughs> Come on. You're going to run into the pizza. I run into him at yeah, the pizza place again. What so. did he say to you again? <laughs> yeah, I was I, – I ran into him at Barbario's in Watkinsville and said uh, – I, I, I said – I got to – I thought it was him. So I said, so I, I, I'm sorry to ask you this. Was, you tell me your name. He said, well, uh, I'm Ray Goff, but most people know me as dumbass. And I was so taken aback. I was like, well, coach, to be fair, I hadn't called you that in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so he was the coach for seven years. Um, yes. And he also coached his last game for Georgia in a bowl game versus what team? I'll make it a question. Oh, crap. Hold on. This is my dark days. 94, 94, 94. What bowl game was it? Do you know? Peach Bowl. It was Peach Bowl? Yeah. Go with Virginia then. That was correct. I was going to say Virginia. Yeah, yeah. they they uh, they lost to the we Peach played them in the Peach Bowl like nine <laughs> years in a row. They lost the Peach Bowl thirty four to twenty seven. Georgia had five hundred twenty five yards of offense. Virginia had two hundred fifty six yards of offense. But we turned the ball over like nine times, right? And Georgia scored two times off of fumbles, and if you remember, the way that they lost was I think uh, there's a, a there's a defensive tackle named Ferguson, like Jason Ferguson. 
picked up a, uh, a, a fumble with a minute left. And Georgia went ahead. Yeah. And then Virginia returns at 83 yards yeah. to win. Uh, that I was at that game, so it was pretty crushing. So the last question. I just also, got incredibly, by the way, nostalgic when you said "fat man touchdown." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's like a like a random yeah. sports phrase that yeah. I have not thought about because there haven't been any sports." Right. Yeah, that's true. Like that's like true. caught in a pickle. Also, that's like a great baseball phrase that like you yeah, don't use in any pickle. other context. Yeah. But. By the way, we we haven't talked about this. We probably should. There's an internet company out there that thought Spencer Hall. Was mm. worth laying off. Yeah, I know those. They own those people own New York Magazine. So, uh, oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I, I yeah. forgot. Yeah, this whole box. And, yeah, yeah, they crap. own New York Magazine. So, so it's unfortunate. I don't uh, put you in a bad place. But oh no, 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 no. no. I, yeah. I, 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 I just, I just no one needs to apologize for the dumbness of letting go of Spencer Hall. No, I just think it's incredible. And, uh, and, and Jason Kirk for that matter. Oh, and and or Richard Johnson board, or, or Matt Brown, Matt Brown. And like yeah, yeah, like all these guys. The idea that like the idea that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bug at me, so I just Hold on, wait, wait, wait. I know this is a this is not a visual medium. Yeah, but I just hit myself. Will just slapped himself. Will just slapped himself because I don't of like bug. bugs. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, losing Spencer uh, and listen, whatever. It's Spencer Hall. Like Spencer Hall is one of those people that gets laid off, and you're like, and you're like, yeah, well, you're going to be fine. I mean, the athletic has been like Jason Butt got laid Jason off. Jason Butt, yeah. the athletic, He's and a great like, runner. And you know, there are there are a lot of really talented people that have got like this is. It turns out that sports journalism is a very difficult place to maintain when there's no sports for three months. Yeah. And uh, so, and I, I do believe that Vox is being very short-sighted in cutting down a lot of their SB Nation stuff, uh, particularly Spencer, who I would argue is a pretty large reason that place got big in the first place. Um, so, he is the reason. Uh, the, the idea that, that uh, uh, he certainly seems like someone... And whatever, for the record, he was furloughed and then he took the buyout. But to me, I just think you, you don't let someone like Spencer Hall uh, go. So. No. I, one day, yeah, one day the story of Vox Media... Particularly SB Nation will be told. As the SB Nation, bro, I actually do not think Vox is, I think their news organization is good. I actually, uh, I, I find their uh, inc- uh, their paperwork onerous at New York Magazine, but otherwise, I don't think there's a general over idea that New York Magazine has been compromised in any way because of Vox. Uh, no. But their handling of SB Nation has been yeah, uh, befuddling. The, the SB Nation Particularly story. because the whole thing exists because of SB Nation. Yeah. It was SB Nation before it was Vox. Yeah. Mm. No, the whole SB Nation story, particularly the college football side of it, will be fascinating. Yeah. Wins told. I mean, not fascinating like 2015 Georgia, but <laughs> still fascinating. <laughs> All right. Last question. And it has to do with the Peach Bowl. We were talking about that 15 minutes ago. Uh, in the 1995 Peach Bowl, they gave co-offensive MVP awards. Tiki Barber won one of them for Virginia. Who won it for Georgia? Would that have been Robert Edwards? No, he was. Uh, remember, he broke his foot in 1995. Oh, that's right. That's when, why. When did Zaire play? Uh, he might have been gone by then. Uh, I don't remember. That's good thinking. So when Zaire left, what happened? I don't know who replaced him. I really don't. It was kind of by committee, and then someone yeah. took over. Hines? Hines Ward oh, I'll be done. won the offensive, yeah, offensive MVP. He had 413 yards passing in that Peach Bowl, 56 yards rushing, and a touchdown. Wow. I wish I could have watched him. And, 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 he and was something else, man. I, listen, I would have enjoyed watching Prime Quincy Carter. I mean, like, I always like that, that LSU like game dude, down in yeah. uh, Baton Rouge that he won. That what, 18 incredible. to 17 or something? Yeah. 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 
Wow. All right, gentlemen, that was fun. That was fun. That was fun. I, I hopefully, you know, it's also. Uh, I will say that we talked about this earlier. The idea that we are is in the ballpark that we could, in like a month and a half, uh, be back to doing. I would say two months. Be back to doing like shows in the basement. Weekly, maybe not shows in the basement, but weekly <laughs> shows. Right. To be like preview and like do our yeah. do, do our big SEC preview that doesn't get recorded, and right. uh, and then <laughs> well I mean but look the reality of it in all honesty the reality of it is that if if things go well for Georgia, um, they're going to start practicing in two weeks, uh, workouts workouts and then we'll start practicing after July fourth. Right, and then the ball just gets going at that yeah. point. I mean, the, for the record, you can go to your Publix right now, which is always a fun place to be, uh, and uh, get your Athlon. The yeah. Athlon piece, no. the Athlon are out. No, I ordered my Phil Steel this week. So, so I mean, because uh, who doesn't love a gate type? <laughs> you gonna count the spelling errors? Yeah, and constant, yes, and the and the and, uh, and the text errors. But yeah, I mean, I. That is progress to me. Is the last time that we got here, I didn't know if we were going to get a season, and I think it's more likely than not right now. I still would very much caution against. Uh, I, I understand the financial aspect. I understand the desire to get back to normal. Um, Ninety thousand seats, people in that stadium yeah. really feels like maybe not a good idea. It seems like a stretch, uh, and that's going to lead into questions. I'm sure we will discuss uh, in our next show um, if. Uh, what it means donations, what it means for tickets, what it means for so on. There is a school of thought out there that is, well, it's a donation. You gave a donation. So that's a donation. Did you want something out of that donation? I mean, that's on you if you thought that you were going to get something out of that donation. Well, we offered you the opportunity to buy tickets, yeah. and there's just not tickets. Yeah. And I think that is a, uh, um, I think, uh, I we, this is definitely something we're going to have to talk about later. I think, I think our friend Robert Wolf has strong opinions on that. I, think I, a lot of I people stand are, with his I opinion. I think a lot of people are going to have, very, does. A yeah. lot, are going to have a very strong opinion about yeah. that. And, uh, and you know, we'll see. We'll yeah. see if it comes to that. But uh, um, we'll see. If it yeah. Comes to that. All right. Otherwise, uh, gentlemen, uh, it's great to see you guys. Yep. Always good to be in person, guys. And, uh, hey, uh, go dogs. Go dogs. Nailed it. Boom. You should save that. And thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with another podcast early next month, and it'll be very Georgia football 2020 preseason heavy. I can promise you that. Sports feel like they're kind of on the verge of coming back with the NBA talking about it, college football, and hopefully Major League Baseball if they can get their act together. So you can follow our show on Twitter at WSLS Podcast. If you have a question or a comment, feel free to start a conversation with us there. And as always, we'll see you back on campus, hopefully this fall, and go dogs. <laughs>